Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. All free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Kelly Santer. We're in the Southern Bank Corps studio in Hattiesburg this afternoon. Luke is out. Great show for you today. Cliff Russum, former Southern Miss baseball pitcher and now ESPN analyst. He'll be on the show a little later. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com as well as we get ready for the Auburn Regional that features Southern Miss, Samford, Penn, and, of course, Auburn. Delighted to have on the show the head coach of the Samford Bulldogs, uh, Coach Tony David. And, Coach, uh, first of all, uh, thanks very much for uh, taking the time and a busy week to talk to us. No, I'm ha- happy to do it. It's um, you know it's an exciting time for college baseball all over and obviously for, for our guys and our program. No question. Now, before we get started with baseball, understand that uh, you have a real Mississippi connection. Let our listeners here in the state know about that. Yes, I grew up on the coast there, uh, St. Martin High School there in the uh, in the Biloxi Ocean Springs area, and um, my entire family uh, is still uh, down there uh, in that area, and of course, uh, a bunch of friends and, and another extended family in the area as well. All right, Coach, your second year as the head coach at Sanford, but you've been with the program a long time, right? 17 years prior to that? Yes, yes. This is year number 19 for me in total. All right, so for people that – we're a baseball, you know, crazy state here, so I think most of our listeners are certainly aware of Sanford baseball. But for the few that may not be, 561 wins in the last 18 seasons – You've averaged 31 wins a season over 18 years, 35 wins per season since 2012. So playing in the regionals, winning conference tournaments, playing on big stages, nothing really new for your program. Uh, no, it's not. You know, we really, um, you know, when we when we came in as the coaching staff <clears throat> all the way back in 2005, you know, it was a program, I think they were averaging around 18 or 19 wins back then, and we had an incremental increase in win total every four or five years. It was 27 wins, and then it was 32. And then we kind of broke out in 2011 with a 37-win team in 2011. That was kind of the beginning for us. We made it to the finals of the conference tournament that year and lost it. And then the bulk of that team returned the next year, and we won 41 games and, and made it to a regional. We beat Mississippi State twice um, at that regional in 2012. And that that was really what elevated the program. That 2011-2012 that, that stretch, we had four guys drafted in 2011 and seven guys drafted in 2012. And then that's where it began. That really what is now kind of a, a 
11, 12, 13 year run and that 35, 36 wins a year type of thing. And, you know, for us and our guys, and <clears throat> year two for me in total in terms of being head coach, you know, we lost late in our tournament last year. And, and, you know, we talked about it on the field that day. You know, we're at a really at a point in our program where a lot of good things happen, but, you know, we feel like any year that ends with us not in a regional is a little bit disappointing. So, you know, our guys kind of took that to heart, I think, this year. And, and this is actually our third regional since 2018. So we've had a pretty good run of it. All right, 36-23 this year, 15-6 and six, uh, in your conference, 21-5 and five on the road, 11-17 and 17 away. And you won your tournament. Uh, you won four games in your tournament. We understand from talking uh, to Coach Barry that you have a, a really big arm that you've been throwing a lot on Friday night. There, there's a rumor uh, floating around social media that you've made it public you're going to hold out your Friday night starter. Is there any truth to that, Coach? There is no truth to that. Okay, so so you can't believe everything you hear on the Internet. Is that what I'm hearing no, from you, Coach David? That, yeah, no, that is correct, Jake. He has started every Friday for us for two years. I got you. I suspect you're going to see Southern Miss's Friday night starter as well, and that I think probably is the is the logical way that uh, most head coaches uh, approach a, a tournament. All right, Coach, give our listeners a, a kind of a preview of of what they can expect when uh, when they watch Samford play their Golden Eagles. You know, I think in a lot of ways both teams are fairly similar. You know, we 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 are this year in particular built a little bit more on the the home run and, and, and the power game offensively maybe than the last couple of years. We've always been a, we've always hit a lot of home runs. That's always been our thing. Our our place and our league is, is a home run friendly area. Um, not a lot of sacrifice bunts um, with this group. We had some um, we had some really fast guys on our team and in our program. They got hurt early on that we lost for the season and kind of adjusted a little bit in how we, we approach the game and how we do it. Um, our guys have thrown well for us, particularly down the stretch. Um, the uh, crazy kid that you referenced um, has been pretty dominant for us on Friday nights. Uh, I think he's fourth in the country in strikeouts. Um, and, and is a guy that's been able to go deep in games and maintain um, his velocity um, late in the games and, and kind of where it'll often will, the velocity will grow for him as he, as he goes into the game. He had a couple weekends ago at Mercer when we won the league at their place. His last two pitches in the eighth inning were 96 and 96 miles an hour. So he's a true below power arm guy that, that really can maintain it and throw strikes. Um, you know, we really catch the ball. We, we've got a great defensive team uh, really in all, all, all eight spots out there. Um, and, you know, you can – Throw strikes and catch the ball. Uh, you always say scoring is hard. Um, you know, hitting is hard. So that's really what we've done and what we've been able to do down the stretch is, you know, when we went to Mercer a couple of weeks ago, uh, they've got a really small park in center and right field and the wind was blowing out 15 to 20 miles an hour and we were able to outslug them. And then this past weekend in our tournament, when we had to beat Wofford twice to win it, um, the wind was blowing in 20 miles an hour, and they're more of a scrappy kind of slap the ball, line drive, ground ball team, uh, and we were able to win lower scoring games uh, that week. And so we've shown our ability to, to do what we've needed to and to be able to adapt given the situation. All right, Coach, your thoughts about this field and playing Southern Miss? Um, you know, my view of Bandit's point on is a little bit different in, in terms of growing up in South Mississippi. It was – 
it was our quote unquote local school, you know. So right. Southern Miss is, is a program that I have um I have certainly followed uh literally my whole life as a baseball guy growing up in Mississippi and, and what has been done there um over the years and, and the three long term coaches that they've had and obviously Coach Barry and what he has done there in his time um has been incredible. And so um you know, a culmination year for him uh, and what he's done in his time. Um, it's, a, it's a great environment there. I can tell you that I am um, I'm happy that we're not playing at Southern Miss uh, and playing <laughs> USM there. Um, we came down there for a series, I think, in 2016 and played down there. It was a great environment. I hope to, to go back down there soon. Um, so, you know, when you get to here, you know um, that you're going to face a lot of good teams. And, and right. you're going to everybody's Friday night guy is going to be really good. And, and it's going to be about executing and, and, and getting the big hits. You know, I told our guys yesterday, we're not going to, it's likely not a good situation where we're going to accumulate, you know, 14 or 15 hits on Friday and win 11 to 9. You know, this is about getting base runners quality at bats and getting the timely hit when you need it the most. And then, you know, doing a job, your job, obviously on the mound and, and making the plays, uh, defensively. So, you know, we want to do what we can to, to take care of business against Southern Miss on Friday. And then hopefully get into a Saturday night matchup with the home team as offered. All right, coach. Just a couple of minutes left. Uh, 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 really, uh, I think a lot of conversation has uh, taken place since Sunday around the country. Really, certainly down here about the selection process in the NCAA and how schools like Samford and Southern Miss seem to be always put at a disadvantage when one conference is getting half of the bids. Your thought about the selection process, and is there anything about it you would like to see change, Coach? Well, I, I could really talk about it for days. I, I had been a long um, um, lover of college baseball long before I was ever coaching college baseball. And I played in South Alabama and, and played for Coach Steve Kitzel there, who I think is, is the greatest of all time. You know, the, it, I think it's a problem in our sport. If you want to grow the sport and make it more of a national sport, to have so much be placed in one region, regardless of the region. Um, and so here recently, in the last four or five years, it's become so fixated on the one league that they want to do what we can to get it in there. And, and if a league is the best, then that league is certainly going to get more teams. And if a league is the best, they're going to get more hosts. But I think it's honestly kind of embarrassing for college baseball to have 50% of the host sites be from one league, regardless of the league. And for one league to have as many as 10 teams in the field, I think is an issue in terms of growing the sport. I don't think anyone would argue that their league right now is, is, is the best league in college baseball. And there's no question about that. Um, but I, I think if you're going to grow the sport, you know, all you've got to do is look at the map of the regional sites, one thing and see how they're clumped down there. But when there's, you know, two question mark sites in terms of hosting, and, and both of those go to that same league. You know, my thing is I just – I would like for it to be spread out. I would like to have those 10 majors have a little more of an opportunity to put in bids that have shown, especially in Southern Miss's case, um, that they're going to draw so well. You know, that's what it's supposed to be about is rewarding the, be- rewarding, rewarding the best teams, um, but also rewarding the best teams that can fill up the seat. And, and programs like Southern Miss in particular – have proven that over the years, and I think if we truly want to grow the sport, we've got to start rewarding programs like that in general, but also in other areas of the country. Coach, I think that's very well said. I really appreciate you being on the show. Best of luck to you and your kids this weekend. 
All right. I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right. Coach Tony David, everybody, Sanford Bulldogs, well, well said about the state of college baseball. We'll be back. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, great interview with the head coach of Samford uh, College at a Samford University, I should say, and a, a team. I'm just going to say, Kelly Sander, the Golden Eagles would be wise not to take lightly. And we we have kind of joked about and you know about the selections and but you know who got to be the hosts. But you know there were a few teams that definitely got messed over in that. But I don't think anybody can really argue that the teams that are in shouldn't be in, and Sanford's certainly one that should be in. We're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Core Studio here at Hattiesburg. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander. want to thank Dickie's Barbecue Pit for sponsoring the opening segment. Campus Bookmark for sponsoring this segment. We love Miss Kathleen. You tell her that you heard us say that. Uh, We're happy for her to know that. And uh, can remind you that you can get all of your championship apparel from uh, last week's tournament right there. Campus bookmark on heart, but I'd go soon because uh, my guess is it does. Would you look at the gigantic jet that just flew over our building, Kelly? Hmm. Yeah, and I don't think that's a Camp Shelby plane either. No, I think that's a commercial aircraft. All right, well, sorry for that distraction. Patrick McGee's in New Orleans at NOLA.com. He's a big buddy of ours, been on the show since really the first week we were on the air. So, Patrick, just talking to Coach David over at Samford, and here's what he says about the controversy surrounding the NCAA selection committee for this year's baseball tournament. If you want to be a national sport, you cannot allow one conference to have eight host sites and 10 teams in the tournament. And you have to spread the tournament out across the nation and allow some of the mid majors to be more involved, have more of a chance to host. If in fact you want college baseball to become a national sport, you cover sports for a living. Your thoughts? Uh, well, you know, I, I mean, I, I see what he's saying. I don't disagree. I, I just think, I think they just botched really this year's host more than anything. I thought a year ago they did a pretty good job, and you had three schools that are not, you know, out of non-major conferences who were hosting at Georgia Southern, Southern Miss, uh, East Carolina, and. You know, to go this year and, and the way the Sun Belt played and everything, I thought they deserved two host sites. I thought giving South Carolina and even really, well, I mean, and even Auburn potentially, I, I don't think they were either necessary. But really it was Kentucky that should have been denied the right to host because they had some circumstances up there that really, what they've got a country music festival up there going on and mm-hmm. you can't get a hotel room like until you're an hour outside of town. Right. And they're having the host uh, players in like uh, dorm rooms and stuff. So right. there's just a whole host of reason that, that that this didn't go well. Um, but I mean, you know, mid major conferences have a, you know a voice. I mean, Will McGillis is on the selection committee. Uh, uh, JRT, who has a son on the Southern Miss baseball roster, is on this selection committee. So, right. I mean, I, I don't I don't know why we ended up with the the host or. You know, overall, I think that it was a tough year to, to choose bubble teams. I don't think they necessarily got it right on the back end in terms of the at-large bid. I think they got maybe one or two wrong overall. I think the teams that are in are generally deserving. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think they really just didn't didn't get it right on the seat on the national on the seeds one through sixteen. 
Alabama's not a 16. They should be like a 12 or something. I'm not sure what went wrong, but I think this year especially just showed that there has, has to be changes made in the process. Uh-huh. On specifically on how they decide who hosts sites. Let me give you. Let me, let me go back to South Carolina for just a minute. I, I want to. I want to give you these facts, Patrick. Get your thoughts. South Carolina, thirty-nine and nineteen. They lost. They were three and eleven. Three and eleven mm-hmm. in their last fourteen game. Here they right. come. Thirty-nine wins. Nineteen of those were compiled against the following competition: three wins right. against UMass Loyal. Two wins against Winthrop, one against Queens College, three against Penn, one against North Carolina A&T, two against the Citadel, two against USC Upstate, three against Bethune-Cookman, one against Presbyterian, and one against Charleston Southern. No other In no other league could you play that type of non-conference schedule and drop 11 of your last 14 games and host a regional tournament. Is that not fair to say? No, uh, and really they got here, you know, just because they had a hot stretch early in conference play, and like you said, they just fell off. I mean, a, a team that's limping in this badly should not be hosting a regional. Uh, I, I don't really, un, you know, um, yeah, I mean, they shouldn't have given eight to the SEC. Uh, I think they have to really, really go back and look at RPI, if not ditch it all together, have it, have it, have it much less of a say in how they're determining who gets in and who hosts. So, I mean, all they have to do is go in and look at what these teams did. You know, I mean, all they have to do is look at the resume. You know, like 10 teams that are, excuse me, say like uh, 10 through 25. You know, if, if, that, if that whole bunch looks kind of head-to-head, you know, they look pretty even, all you got to do is look closer. And they just did not look close enough. Uh, whenever they handed out these host sites. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that you could do, too, is, and I don't know how the members of the selection committee are placed on the selection committee, but let me suggest, besides my colleagues, Bob Getty's suggestion of making, of playing these regional tournament games at neutral sites, like they do with the basketball tournament, if you're not going to do that, then put people on the selection committee whose schools are traditionally not a player in baseball. Put the AD from Colorado on there, or Idaho, or New Mexico State. Iowa State, my alma mater, doesn't even have baseball. All right? They have competent athletic directors, but they don't they're not factors in, in and then let an unbiased panel make those decisions. Is that Reasonable, Pat? yeah. I see. Which I, I think it's more they just need to get people involved who are not actively, you know, athletic directors and stuff like that. I, I mean, you know, with the college football playoffs, you know, all that. I mean, they, they've got you know Jeff Bauer who was retired from coaching. A bunch of other. I mean, there's people out there who sit back now and can see things from a, you know a good point of view and pay attention. Uh, it's tough for an AD or somebody like that to keep up with the national field and how things go on week in week out. Just get people who are you know, recently retired or maybe even get some scouts involved, uh, something. Just rework the, the deal. Just don't get anybody active involved. Get retired ADs and retired coaches involved. I think that's a great idea to yeah. start with. What do you think about the idea yeah. of, of going down the same road that the basketball tournament goes down, which seems to be the most exciting collegiate program in the country, is March Madness. I don't think anybody really argues with that. But they play everybody – 
Everybody plays at a neutral site. Why can't you do that? No, that's that's. I think that's it's it's not a good idea. These things are exciting because they're played on campus. Uh, you know it, the settings. The if we're playing these on neutral, college baseball just doesn't have the doesn't have the audience uh, that the NCAA basketball tournament has. And moving them to neutral sites or is not going to grow the audience for this. So I I think the on campus charm is, is the reason that this is growing. Not, not. It's not cheapening or making anything less. I, I think it absolutely has to stay on campus. All right. Well, fair enough. And well, uh, we respect your opinion, but you agree. You agree. Some something has to be changed. Yeah, I mean, just the process of, of you know who's on the committee, uh, the use of RPI. You know, just there just has to be more attention to detail on how they're doing. This. But but can I argue the chicken versus the egg thing with with uh, with our friend Patrick? Is that and that I agree that a, that a lot of places aren't base college baseball isn't very popular. But maybe it's because fan bases in those areas haven't been exposed to maybe. it. Maybe if some of these neutral sites did host some college baseball tournaments, it would create. New excitement. It awesome. would create new fans and therefore grow the game, which is one of the things That's they awesome. say they want to do. Yeah, I mean, I just don't buy that. Um, okay. right. I mean, this college baseball is just a niche, too much of a niche sport right now. I don't think putting them in stadiums that are half empty or or a third empty are going to you know really help in long run. I, I think it sucks some of the wind out of this. It's the passion. That's what makes this good. And if you're putting neutral sites, it just takes some of the energy and the passion out of it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I've always wondered, too, guys, I, I've never understood why there's quite why there's more emphasis placed on postseason tournaments than regular season play. The regular season championship is is a much broader look at how a team did uh, throughout mm-hmm. the year than a postseason tournament, and you need to look no further than fourteen and. What is it, Patrick? Fourteen and forty Tulane, some crazy, crazy. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, there's argument to be made that the that the automatic bids need to be given to the regular uh, season champions. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, but it. But what do you do? Just ditch conference tournaments altogether because there's no benefit of playing in the conference tournament yeah. at all at that yeah. point. Um. So that's 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 really the crux of that. It's a mess, Patrick. If they let me and you and Kelly. Iron all this out. We could have this resolved before next year. <laughs> well, I think there are simple solutions to the process. I don't think it's really that hard. I, well, I just think RPI needs to become some uh, a much you know instead of it being, playing ninety percent of the uh, decision process, it needs to be about a third. Well, Patrick, if indeed you're right that there that there are simpler ways, there's no better committee than you, me, and Bob because clearly <laughs> there are no more simple people than the three of us. Yeah, right? that, that'd be exactly right. <laughs> All right, we've got the Professor Patrick McGee on board with us today. He's agreed to hang around for another segment. We'll get Patrick's uh, view of Southern Miss and, and what happens the rest of the year. We always like to talk a little football with Patrick. We'll be right back.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour is brought to you in part by Jana King, the king of clean. Their team has been working for over 35 years, cleaning places of work, education, medicine, eateries, stadiums, and worship all through South Mississippi. They'll do the same thing for your business. To find out more, just go to JanaKingCleans.com. Also want to tell you that if you want to catch the ball games, uh, then go to 4th Street Bar and Grill. Every game will be on. It'll be a Southern Miss crowd. You'll feel right at home. will be no Auburn fans there, we can assure you. Probably no Samford fans or Penn fans. I don't think Penn fans are not allowed in 4th Street Bar and Grill. Do you think they would dare go into 4th Street Bar and Grill? (laughs) But we will. We will. And uh, we think you should, too. All right, Patrick McGee is with NOLA.com. All right, Patrick, we... uh, I promise, Kelly and I are we're, we are through complaining about the NCAA selection committee. We've been only doing that now for four days. Even my wife said, eh, "Maybe it's time to move on." But anyway, uh, but Patrick, so let's start. so Southern Miss is in Auburn. They're practicing this afternoon. They open against Samford. Penn plays Auburn uh, tomorrow night at uh, I think around eight o'clock, seven or eight o'clock. Analyze this field and tell us if the Golden Eagles can take their second consecutive regional championship. Yeah, I see kind of an open regional is the best way to describe it. And uh, I think Southern Miss has, has a very good shot. I, I think even the, the odds makers really put Southern Miss and Auburn not that far apart in terms of the most likely team to win this regional. And I, I think Southern Miss has the, has the pitching at this point. You know, they really solidified. You know, it's maybe not as deep as they were a year ago. But I think they really have a solid group. They can get them through a regional, and they've been hitting enough. You know, they they did kind of have the hiccup against App State in the uh, conference tournament. They just can't afford that, you know. And they have to come in here and and not let the other team's best player beat you. You know, the last time Southern Miss uh, lost the regional on the road, it was in Oxford, and Tim Elko really just hammered them. Uh, you know, so it's it's really just playing clean baseball and and having their stars stand out and figure out a way to kind of hold the other guys in check. And I think the Southern Miss, uh, Southern Miss has enough pitching to do that. Here's what I see about this team, too. I don't think it's the most talented team I've covered, but, boy, this is a gritty bunch of kids. They're experienced. There are a lot of older players on the team who are not going to want their careers to end anytime soon. And I just I think they have a lot of grit and determination, and I think whoever plays them is going to have to deal with that, Patrick. Yeah, I think I think that's the 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 thing that that really kind of tilts Southern Miss's way in all this is that there's such an experienced lineup throughout, and uh, they've done a pretty good job of coming through in the clutch. I, I feel much better about this lineup uh, than I did a year ago. Really, uh, it was they were just so inconsistent in the plate last season. I think this year this is a group that's putting together smarter at bats and giving themselves a chance, and that's all you really have to do. You know, is is make the other team make mistakes, not make too many on your own in the field or at the plate or on the mound. So I think Southern Miss has really kind of cut back on the uh, uh, small mistakes and, and really playing a much cleaner baseball at the moment. So I think they are set up for success. But, again, it's if as long as those bats show up, I think they got a very good chance to win this regional. And so much of baseball is mental. I guess a lot of sports is mental. So I don't want to overstate the obvious. But here's something that I think might be working against Auburn in particular. And I'm not trying to start anything here, but hear me out. I think what's working against Auburn is that the Tigers feel like they deserve to host and that they deserve to be number one. And I think that can really work against them, that they start smelling themselves a little bit, 
Conversely, I think the fact that the Eagles didn't get to host, they feel like they were slighted, and they've got Scott Barry retiring at the end of the year. I think all of those psychological things will work for Southern Miss. Bob, you think those make sense? Well, I think I think there's some legitimacy to that, yes. And I think it's really interesting, and we really haven't touched on this, Patrick, about the situation with Scott Barry. I mean, how heavily mm-hmm. is that on the minds of those kids? And uh, does that, in a way, provide a little extra incentive for them to maybe – play harder than they normally even do play. Yeah, I mean, I saw some of that one-two in the, in the conference tournament, be able to watch some of those games. You know, you saw the guys really you know, display anger whenever they had a bad at bat or something like that. You just saw some kind of responses that made you think these guys are really into it and really tuned in and want this badly. So uh, just to have that extra motivation, that, you know, everybody, everybody's been talking about the last time Southern Miss was in this situation in 2009 and how they responded. Uh, every team is different. Every situation is different. But you have those kind of X factors going along with Southern Miss. And it, it, look at this region. There's just not great pitching depth among the other teams. I think Auburn's ERA is close to six. Uh, Tommy Bell is a really good left-hander for him, for them, and he could give Southern Miss a really good challenge. But overall, I think this is this could be one of those regionals. You know, uh, I could easily see it where you know the team that wins this has one loss. You know, I don't see any mm-hmm. team really kind of skating through with with ease i think there's a good chance to really this regional is going to last a bit yeah i think there's a good chance there's going to be a game on monday that's yeah i think that's what uh what patrick and the golden eagles have shown they can do that they did that a couple of years ago in oxford they lost the opener to florida they took it all the way to monday and i mean it was down to the wire on monday afternoon but if that's the case and to what patrick just said that's a huge plus for southern miss and pitching think. depth that all right. comes down to pitching depth if you're going to monday mm-hmm. yeah Right, yeah. I mean, you got Armistead you could put out there who's probably throwing it, you know, he, he's probably, to me, Armistead's the second best starting pitcher that Southern Miss has at the moment, uh, just the way he's throwing it. So when you got, you know, Oldham, Armstead, Hall, Adams, I think still kind of getting closer to what he, where he wants to be. Nico Mazza? Yeah, Nico Mazza and Justin Storm who threw, what, 80 pitches. So, yeah, I mean, you got a bunch of guys that can last well in the games and give you a very good chance to win. Yeah, well, it's uh, exciting. Overall, Sunbelt with four teams in, I think that's kind of what all of us thought might happen. Right. Uh, Coastal, a very strong team. Troy, I, I watched them play a couple of games out of Montgomery. They're a very capable team, there's no question. Louisiana is Louisiana. They're, they're just good. Uh, yeah. How far can the Sunbelt go in this thing, you think? We'll see. I mean, obviously, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like Coastal's probably playing its best going into the uh, regional. So we'll see how they respond. I, I think what Duke is the two seed there. I've, I've been kind of a believer in Duke most of the season, so that may be a tough one. Uh, I think Louisiana and in, in Coral Gables, uh, at the Miami regional, is an interesting one to watch. Uh, uh, the Cajuns are a talented team, uh, probably good enough pitching wise, but. In, they showed here last week that they can really compete. So I think UL is the other team that might kind of surprise. Here's another thing I don't get about the NCAA, Patrick. They they term these regional tournaments. What would have yeah. been any more electric than having the Raging Cajuns square off against LSU and Baton Rouge? And throw Nichols in there with them. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, they got Tulane. Yeah. Uh, and Tulane. Uh, yeah, yeah, they got Tulane in the Baton Rouge regional, so – 
Uh, it was just one of those things where they kind of had to spread out the, the Louisiana teams. You had Nichols that also made it in there having to go to Tuscaloosa. Uh, so it was just one of those things had to spread around. But the West Coast and the Northeast are really struggling to put up, you know, get those host sites. And you've got some Pac-12 teams playing on the East Coast mm-hmm. uh, this year. So it's just it's it's tough whenever the, the Pac-12 is just kind of down in baseball at the moment. And that just makes it tougher to – make these things more regional. Fair to say that LSU would prefer to open with Tulane as opposed to the Raging Cajuns? Yeah, I, th- I, th- <laughs> I think they would very much prefer that. But, heck, Tulane's hot, so you just uh, don't know. It, it, that's why I always enjoy the first day of these regionals because that's whenever the, the weirdest stuff often happens. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how these games play out. Yeah, and, and, and at LSU, if you would have had LSU, Tulane, Louisiana – and Nichols, that'd be crazy exciting. There's man. not enough beer in that state. No, I mean that would that would you know that would be some kind of a regional tournament to have, would it not? Boy, you talk about a and war you can second a war. guess it forever. But I kind of wondered, you know, Troy is like an hour from Auburn, Hattiesburg's two hours, two and a half hours from Tuscaloosa. Why would you send Hattis? Why would you send USM over to Auburn and Troy to Tuscaloosa? Again, regional is what I'm thinking, but, you know, neither here nor there. All right, Patrick, give us your prediction. What do the Golden Eagles have to do, and how does Patrick McGee see this thing turning out? Patrick? Did we lose him? Did we lose you, Patrick? I'm here. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I got muted. Uh, But it's kind of hard to pick right now since they haven't announced pitching matchups, and I'm kind of interested to see how Auburn handles things. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I see Southern Miss going through. I think they went through. Um, like I said, I think there's a good chance they're, they're going to have one loss and they have to come back on Monday. But I think even then they're going to have the pitching to get through on Monday. So I think Southern Miss wins the regional. I think they get enough hitting. I don't think they're going to swing their way through. Uh, but I think we're going to see a lot of tight games and Southern Miss just has the experience to get through. And if a lot of, if a lot of these uh, hosts that are from the SEC – don't particularly do well, then that is something that they need to, even though teams change from year to year, I get that, but that's something that whoever is on the committee next year needs to take into account, is you hosted all these tournaments last year, so you're already favored by virtue of getting to play on your home field, and you didn't hold serve on your home field, so why should we give you one this year? All right, Patrick, we appreciate the conversation with you, my friend. We'll look forward to talking about the regionals with you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody, NOLA.com. We thank the world of the professor and uh, look forward to our next conversation. All right, well, it's over for William Carey. We covered it pretty thoroughly. We were disappointed. We're going to talk about it next. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, great guest today, and uh, we want to thank everybody. We want to thank uh, Coach David at uh, Samford. Other than the Friday game at 1 o'clock, I hope they do very well. Really, really nice guy. And I also want to thank Patrick Me Tomorrow, we have the pin coach on the show. 
an Ivy Leaguer on the Eagle Hour. That'll be a first. Cat Zooks, a, a yes. pen man on the show. Yeah, we'll have a pen man on the show tomorrow. The, and, uh, the, the Fighting Quakers. And also, we've got another great guest tomorrow. Yeah, Lad Rhodes is going to join us tomorrow. Former Southern Miss uh, assistant coach in the COVID year of 2020. He is now the hitting coach and recruiting coordinator for the Nichols State Colonels, who won go. the Southland Conference regular season and tournament. And they are going up against the Crimson Tide yeah. tomorrow night. So we'll actually be talking to Lad Rhodes tomorrow just before they play Alabama. All right, Kelly, and I realize you'll be watching the baseball game at 1 o'clock, but you can always catch the show. We think you'll enjoy it uh, on the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast. It's available on Apple, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can just tell Alexa at any point after the game tomorrow to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour and uh, she'll do that for you. D1D Bats, a great sponsor of our program. We thank them for all they do. Great training facility for adults and kids. And also want to thank Mobay Beignet Company, the official beignet store of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. And a great place to go enjoy some good desserts over the weekend. Uh, we guarantee you. Uh, you'll like it. Uh, they put the place in New Orleans to shame. Well, and and you know they don't even make the beignets until you order until them. You order them, so they're hot and fresh and fresh. Right? It's not stuff that's been sitting hot the... and fresh. Describes me. You know <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You should have seen Sander yesterday hugging a woman while he was still talking. I was impressed with that. You never missed a beat. Man, I, st- I still, you know, my, my nephews, we were up at Indianapolis, and uh, I was doing some media events up there, and some, you know, women would, go, and, I, and I told I told my nephews, they go, they said, man, Here Uncle, go, everybody. Uncle Kelly, you, you can still spit some games. Getting you? deep, everybody. I said, well, when I need to, you know. I didn't wear any boots today, Kelly. I, I, t- I, Bob, I got on tennis shoes. I tell you all the time, what is it that I look for in women? Total and utter desperation. (laughs) (laughs) And even then, he's not successful. I can smell it a mile away. It's sad as hell. All right. uh, I'll tell you what else a little sad. Uh, William Carey University knocked out of the NAIA World Series last night. Won two games and then lost their final two. And, of course, we carried all the games. And we've been talking a lot to carry coaches and players. We're fans, and we were really pulling for them. But, you know, as Kelly said, it's the time of the year, and and really, in the end, every school at every level deals with it, I guess, except the one that wins it all. Right. It's it's disappointing. It breaks your heart a little bit when the season comes to an end. But after a day or two, you're able to reflect as a fan, as a player, as a coach, back on the season as a whole. And uh, when you do that with William Carey, it was a remarkably good year. They, they were one game short of a 50-win season. I mean, when have you ever heard college teams as good as Southern Miss teams have had? I don't think the Eagles have come that close to winning 50 games in a One season. One time, yeah. I think, the last 15 And, and who knows? Maybe this year will be that year. Right. You know, the Eagles still have some baseball in front of them. And Bobby Halford, you know, notched his 1,300th win. Well, he's stuck on that number now, Bob. He just, he just mm. can't get over that 1,300 mm. win hump. But, uh, yeah, they're coming home from, from Lewiston, Idaho. And they played Lewis and Clark. Which Lewis and Clark has been to a ton of NAIA World Series games, and they were playing on their home field in Idaho. So they had a huge crowd there last night. You know, Lewis and Clark playing on their home field, um, and Carey just came up a little bit short. But yeah, it was a, a great yeah. season and great memories for those kids at William Carey. Look, I want to take just a minute, and I want to thank three people because they just did an absolutely outstanding job. If you heard the radio broadcast, they were just as good as they get. 
Ben Milam, who did the play-by-play from out there in Idaho, our operations manager and Eagle Hour producer, Michael Morgans, who cemented everything together, made sure the games were on, did all the production. Caleb Hamill, who uh, who is an associate of ours and uh, our PCS play-by-play voice, and Caleb Caleb really engineered this idea of us broadcasting the games and was really instrumental in helping us find sponsors and do production work. And so those three guys did just a tremendous, tremendous job and uh, want to thank them all. It makes you proud when you got the people around you working with you that can put on uh, radio productions like they did. It was very good. And on one hand, it was a long season, but on the other hand, you're kind of sad that it's over, you know, And and it won't be long. In fact, July 25th and July 26th in New Orleans, yeah. Sunbelt Media Days for college right. football. I'm not sure Michael's too sad about being up at 1 o'clock in the morning, making sure the game got on the air and and we got back on the network after the game. But but he is a big Kerry fan for sure. Yeah, and, and Merg doesn't get a whole lot of credit, and, and I understand why he doesn't you know, want a lot of credit. He still owes mm-hmm. the IRS a lot of money. <laughs> so he doesn't, he doesn't want them to know really where he's hanging out Correct. or at, but Correct. Uh, nonetheless. He's tremendous. Yes, indeed. Uh, he does a lot behind the scenes that make this show what it is, too. So uh, we're grateful to him for that. All right. Well, it's... Countdown is on, Bob. The countdown is on. There's a lot of angst in the air. And uh, I would just say this. Pull for the Golden Eagles... I think they're going to play very, very well. And just keep in mind what a great year it's been and what a great, great bunch of kids this is on this baseball team. Yeah, they will represent and have represented as well off the field as they have on. And to me, that's the most important thing. There's no question about that. Until next time, everyone, Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.